0: Right then. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pit to Podium. And on today's episode there's so much to talk about from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, but we'll keep it simple, we'll keep it sweet. We will dissect and discuss the key questions. How special is this win and this result that we've got here today? What happened to Lewis Hamilton? What happened to Max Verstappen and Lance Stroll? Was it something with the tires? Where has Mercedes' pace gone all of a sudden? Why did Charles Leclerc end up losing his pole position and so many more things. All of this on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. So, what are we waiting for? Absolutely nothing. Let's get into this. Right, so there have been three warnings, folks, here in Baku today. I'll quickly read them out. I've got this message from the Baku City Police. Firstly, smoking is injurious to health. Remember that one. Second one is that there's a hunt for snipers <laughs> on the Neftjila Avenue going around. So watch out for them. They've been doing some nefarious stuff today, if you're driving in a blue or a green car. And there's a third one, but the third one is slightly more, more happy, more joyful. Apparently... Some happiness pills have been manufactured here on the Neftar Avenue on Sunday evening and they've been spread out in abundance. Some of them have reached people in many, many major quantities. Hey, it's here in Mumbai, it's here in my apartment. Kunal Shah, the ex marketing head of Force India, is here with us, now working as the motorsport consultant for the VSport VS network. Mr. Shah, has the happiness pills box reached your apartment yet? Because it certainly has reached millions of people around the world. It
1: has, and I think the largest consignment went to all the Formula One fans in Mexico, oh, without yes. a doubt. And I, I must say, even fans in Germany or probably all over the world, Sebastian Vettel is loved all over the world. And again, what joy it gives us to see Pierre Gasly, you know, on the podium as well. Such a brilliant turn his career has taken for the good in the last, you know, season or so, I would say. But Samil, so, well, I'm I'm just in that space where I'm like, what a brilliant advertisement for Formula One. That's right. I, I would say even a brilliant advertisement for the sprint qualifying races. You know, the last two <laughs> laps just goes to show that maybe they just need to have sprint races in Formula One.
0: And maybe not in qualifying, maybe in the main race because the last few laps were amazing after all the drama that happened eventually it was christian fedle pierre gaslio what
1: has happened we need to know who's going to come out in front as we see lance stroll
0: hitting the barrier and going over the curb one more time not that darn lance stroll again he's interrupted us here as well so who came out on top kunal uh, Finally, we have an answer the answer we should have known a couple of weeks ago
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, answers that, you know, we got in Baku as well. You know, five different pole sitters on Saturday, four red flags, five different winners in the five years that Baku has hosted a race as well. Uh, You know, no repeat winner. That statistic continues in Baku. And, you know, for, uh, for all the good reasons, Checo Perez continues to have more podiums and points than Max Verstappen and Baku so lots of things that could have actually you know had the Lance Stroll
0: meme playing all over again exactly and this race the way Sergio Perez got the win that's the key point right I feel like Sergio Perez should win every single race because whenever this man wins a <laughs> Grand Prix it just seems to be in the most dramatic fashion of all time I mean, Christopher Nolan does not have so many twists in his movies, but Sergio (laughs) Perez, how? So, I'm sure all of you, uh, our dear listeners and viewers, have an idea of what went down. But when you come to think of it, when you write it down, Canal, so much happened. Verstappen under control of everything. Then Charles Leclerc, that happened after Leclerc lost his pole position, remember. Then Sergio Perez doing an amazing blocking job to Lewis Hamilton. That was a very good battle, reminding us that overtakes are not everything, it's just an intense battle that needs to happen and you will have some good television. Eventually, that crash, that inevitable crash that was bound to happen at Baku, happened through large toll. More on why those two crashes happened later on. But then Maxfield is when... And who would have imagined that Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion, would end up making that mistake. Red Bull were looking for that number two driver who could supplement and complement Max Verstappen finally. Today, I think they've found someone who's more than just a number two driver, Kunal. What a win. I think it was a brilliant win. Uh, And let's remember,
1: Sergio Perez had a very bad qualifying, you know, in comparison. He was only P7. But he had a brilliant start and an opening lap. We saw him, you know, uh, overtake uh, drivers ahead of him. I forget, I think it was three or four cars that he overtook. Uh, You know, Carlos Sainz Jr. being one of them, I think. uh, and, And just that sort of positioned him. Uh, it brought him up to P4. So I think there was three positions that he overtook. And he was right behind, uh, you know, Max Verstappen. And at that time, Charles de Clair was leading with Hamilton second and Verstappen third. And he was basically the wingman that, you know, uh, uh, Red Bull have always wanted him to be in this race. And mind you guys, it Alexander Albin took the whole of last season to do it, uh, you know, at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, finally. But uh, the, you know, the great joke that's been doing the rounds on Twitter, Sommel, is Checo Perez said it'll take me five races to settle down with Red Bull <laughs> and boom, he goes and wins his sixth race. And, you know, I think two things stand out for me in Perez. First was just the, the opening stint that he had and, uh, you know, that uh, the, the opening uh, stint allowed him to sort of build on to the, the latter part of the races, which allowed him to, you know, of course, overcut Lewis Hamilton. And then the the second, which was the most important thing that, you know, I saw Checo Perez do, which I absolutely loved as a fan, as a, you know, as a former racing car driver myself, was the way he could soak in all that pressure from Lewis Hamilton. You know, that Mercedes was like a rocket ship, but he just made sure that he was able to keep that gap up at the part of the circuit he needed it the most. So. Brilliant, brilliant drive by Checo Perez. He wouldn't have wanted the win this way, you know, with a high-speed crash to his teammate, you know, but I'm sure he takes it as it comes and you know, uh, a very important win for him uh, because, you know, Red Bull want a driver who can back Max. He did that. Red Bull want a driver who can pick up the pieces in case Max drops them or he's forced to drop them. He did that as well. And uh, questions that, you know, we'll probably never have answers to is, but would appear Gasly or an Alexander Albin uh, have been in the same situation to pick up the pieces the way Checo Perez did? Again, we don't have an answer. I'm just asking the question.
0: Well, Gasly end up, ended up doing that for Alfa Tauri. More on that in a second. But I think Sergio Perez should be the prime minister or the president of Mexico. Uh, just do it. He's <laughs> a man who commits to his promises and delivers them, soaks up pressure like a sponge... And once it's done, you know the kind of celebrations that he has. And his car as well. It was like his car just gave up at the end. It's like, there's too much drama in this race. I can't take it anymore. I've done my job. (laughs) My job was to take you to the chequered flag. I've done that. Let me rest and let me celebrate too. And it just did that. What a moment. But Checo Perez's win, I doubt was the most emphatic and the most joy-giving moment of the race because Sebastian Vettelkunal, I think we can now finally claim, and I hope that I'm not being a bit too early to this party, I think we can finally say that, yeah, he is back. P5 at Monaco, after a stunning duel with Pierre Gasly that got interrupted. This moment will not be. But again, fighting Pierre Gasly, again fighting Charles Leclerc, and trumping both of them. Just, Just outstanding stuff with Sebastian, isn't it? And such... A warm sight to see him laughing on the team radio, to see him celebrating with the team members and sending out love to the guys at the Silverstone factory. Moments you you start to watch the sport for, pretty much.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I'm wearing my former Force India uh, jersey is, of course, for Checo Perez and for the fact that it is the former Force India team, which is now Aston Martin, that got their first podium as Aston Martin Racing. And, you know... Fettel's win was down to brilliant execution by the driver and by the team, and I must say this. You know, you said uh, Fettel's win is probably stealing some thunder away from Checo Perez's victory. Sorry, Fettel's second position. Right? It, it feels like it a win. win anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'll put it this way: Sebastian Fettel, and I, 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 I may I may get some brickbats for saying this, but Sebastian Fettel drove a very Sergio Perez-esque race. <laughs> In that racing point for India okay. Aston Martin car. This is exactly the kind of races Checo Perez was delivering while he was racing for, for India back in time. You know, sneaking it in on the podium when the front runners, you know, were not going to be landing up on the podium themselves. So hats off to Fettel, And again, brilliant strategy. He went the longest of all the drivers on the soft tyre. He, you know, he he made the overcut work. He pulled off all the tracks on. Uh, he pulled off all the overtakings on track as well. And and mind you, Somil, Aston Martin had some great strategy with Lance Stroll as well. He was doing yeah. the reverse. He was, you know, he was he was on the hards. But of course, he was the first one to have that,
0: you know, high speed high speed uh, tire failure as well. Yeah, that one was a bit sad. It it was like Stroll would be the best benefactor of a safety car. He didn't have to cause it himself, but then again, he wasn't the one who caused it. It was, it was something. It was snipers sitting at the, what was that place again? The Nefshila Avenue at Baku. That was not the case. We shall come to that in a few moments. But first, the matter, the matter of the Baku police's notice to everyone that smoking is injurious to help. Uh, to help, that is, not to help, but apparently it was some magic. The reason why Hamilton had that uh, issue heading into turn number one. Yes, you can play See You Again by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth in the background. That's what happened when Lewis Hamilton careered <laughs> straight on. But but why? Why, Kunal? Why did that happen? And the brakes on the grid, they were smoking hot. Now, when that happens, normally uh, people say, oh, wow, lovely. Oh, the brakes are smoking hot, man. That looks cool, but wasn't cool at all. Why did that happen eventually?
1: I, I must I must digress a little because For when sure. you said the word magic, okay, mm-hmm. I just remembered Sundaram and his magical stat. Oh, yes. And this sort of connects back to what Aston Martin Racing did. And I'm going to quote Sundaram's tweet here, okay? Uh, Mercedes's customer teams have been on the podium at Baku. In 2016, there was Force India. In 2017, was Williams in 2018 was the force india team again both of those with uh, checo perez 16 and 18 and in 2021 it was aston martin right so that's the power that or that's the magic that the mercedes customer teams have you know sort of been able to pull uh, pull out in baku and sticking to his stat about customer teams it's the second race in succession that a customer team has actually outscored the Woods Mercedes team, right? But now this takes me back to your question about the magic button, right? And it's it's going to be the buzzword for the next few days, right? The magic button and what it does and what it actually did is it just switched off Lewis Hamilton's brakes. And I, for a fraction of a second, when I saw Lewis grab the lead and then he was just not stopping, I'm like, oh my God, did Lewis Hamilton just make a driver error? Did he miss his braking point? Were the brakes too cold? And you know, all those questions that go in. And then of course you realize that there was a braking error, but not in what he did. It was just the flick of a switch. And that to me is a little scary somewhere. Can you imagine these cars are machines where at the flick of a switch, you put all the brakes off. So even the driver's instincts cannot stop the car because that, Machine is relying more on the switch than on the brake pedal for all the regen reasons. I know why that happens, but just shows how complicated Formula
0: One cars are. Lucky that there's good, some good real estate after turn number one. That could have been a bit too (laughs) horrible to watch, but. But what is it? I, I read there was something regarding the brake bias of the car that can be completely transformed with that switch and then again the regen stuff as well because the brakes are of course not just brakes in a Formula 1 car, they're linked back to the turbo hybrid system. But what was it? Why was Lewis not able to stop it? Because uh, from the face of it, it seemed like an amateur error just making uh, missing a braking point but… Hamilton doesn't do missing of breaking points, does he? He's a seven-time world champion. So, surely there must be something more complicated. And finally, we've got the answer. It is something with the switch. But what is that switch all about? So, you know, from what I've been reading, and Craig Scarborough has
1: given a very good, uh, you know, uh, explanation on Twitter, he said that, you know, during restarts and, you know, uh, during starts, Mercedes uses this magic switch To basically move the brake bias and all other elements forward, right? So your front brakes will always uh, be stopping before the rear brakes. Now I'm not going to go detailed into brake biases, right? But they do that. So you are able to drive up more, more uh, temperature in the brakes. And of course, Lewis claims that he had, you know, switched it off, which means that it neutralizes that, you know, forward movement of the brake bias. But it seems that during the course of the restart, you know, he accidentally flicked the switch on again. And that's why we saw him, you know, break, end up locking his brakes and then just going straight. And like you said, he was lucky there was real estate there for him to sort of take the escape route and, you know, join back. Uh, you know, otherwise he would have probably been in the barriers and that would have been a little bit more embarrassing. But I must say, Samuel, you know, uh, Mercedes actually, uh, they, they had a bittersweet, bittersweet moment. Till even that incident happened, right? Because in Friday free practice, they were struggling big time. And you know, you would have you guys would have all read this in the newsletter which I you know I wrote saying, Do not rule them out. And they did all the hard work in the simulator to find a setup that actually works. And Lewis Hamilton and you know Faltry Bottas, as we know, took two different setup routes uh, you know for uh, for the race mm. and uh, we saw what happened to bottas and we saw hamilton was you know fighting for pole he was fighting for he actually was leading the race and to me Sommel, that is just testimony to how hard the team and driver have worked to you know convert a bad friday into a bloody good sunday
0: it's always lewis hamilton man it, it just always is it just goes out to show every single weekend why he's paid whatever he's paid. It's not my business to know whatever he's paid, but it's it's a big amount and he deserves it 100%. For sure, he made that one driver error right there. But throughout the weekend, when you see where Bottas was, when you see where Hamilton is, yes, setup direction included. But it, it cannot be such a wild shift. There's something that Lewis can do right and we can see quite clearly. And you could feel it, you could hear it in the tone of his voice, that Hamilton was, in a sporting context, that is, I know the BBC does not like to use this word, he was devastated by it, in a sporting context, that is, he was just distraught at the end of it, and when you see Lewis Hamilton distraught at the end of it, I, I know I'm a broken tape recorder at this stage, but he will come back, and he will come back, ah, oh, there's a the reason why he's won so many championships, yeah, I, I think it's going to be some side, but this just leads us on to the next thing, the championship fight, Nothing mentioned, nothing gained, though, eventually, wasn't it? I mean, you could have said that this was his chance to pile on a bit of an advantage on Max. But at the end, we just end up where we started.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't shift the Drivers' Championship in any direction. Which, for Formula 1, is, I think, a bad thing to do, you know, because... We would have liked to see a swing. We would have liked to see drivers back and forth and, you know, making some sort of jumps and and so on. Uh, but that's just how it is. I think even Red Bull Racing, for that matter, would have loved to have the drivers finish the race because finishing the race for both uh, Max and Lewis would have actually meant, a, you know, a, a, a Verstappen actually pulling out more of a, you know, points gap on on Lewis Hamilton. But Talking of the championship, still, you know, Saumil, uh, Red Bull are of course still leading the constructors and so on, right? Uh, the one big thing that will bother Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton even more so is that for two races in a row, Lewis has been overcut and has lost at least two positions in race trim, right? In Monaco, he had uh, he had Perez and Fettel overcut him, right? in in baku he again had both the red bull drivers overcut him right so uh you know mercedes clearly needing to sharpen their skills in race strategy as well they know what they're doing i'm not going to suggest what they need to do but uh, also you know in the case of valtteri bottas he was overcut by lando norris so clearly mercedes is you know uh, inability to drive tire temperatures maybe after the drivers have pitted Is sort of making them more vulnerable in this overcut space again it's just a very broad assumption but
0: i'm sure they'll they'll try and fix this first thing up exactly knowing mercedes they will but it's a bit it's a bit like the whale oil winning machine is running slightly out of grease so let's see what happens what they do to try and fix it out but the major issue why you're here what happened to the tires what is the speculation all about was it really snipers? Was it a tree branch? Was it some sort of a bump at the Baku circuit which catches out a few cars? It was bought us in 2018. Here, Verstappen now. What's clear, Kunal, is that it's not a puncture because a puncture would be slower. A puncture would not let you crash at over 200 miles per hour, or over 300 kilometers per hour. That is, if you're wondering. So, what was it? Pirelli said that all the other hard compounders, of all the other drivers who were actually going to go longer than Stroll and Verstappen, by the way, they were fine. They didn't show any sort of trouble at all. So what's going on here?
1: Uh, well, first things first, thanks to Pirelli, okay, we actually had the lawnmower moment of the race, the manscaped lawnmower moment, Samuel, right? Because what actually happened was that At the end of the day, they brought out the lawnmowers to clear all the debris on track. So no Formula One driver literally had a manscaped lawnmower moment of the day. Uh, But uh, on a more serious note, uh, I think some hard questions need to be asked because it's extremely unsafe when failures happen at this high speed sommel firstly right mm. we are lucky that stroll and perez uh, sorry stroll and verstappen and several other drivers who've had such high-speed crashes we are lucky that formula one is safe enough to sustain and to be able to absorb these crashes drivers just walk away sit in the medical car and go now the initial the first the first investigation that uh, pirelli have done mm. uh, it says that there were debris that caused those failures and in fact Lewis Hamilton's left rear I believe also had picked up some track debris so again street circuits you don't know if if that is true and you know Max Verstappen was very honest he said Pirelli are going to say it is debris and that's going to be the end of the conversation and they're not going to you know sort of reveal the hard truth or something something Mm. down that road and uh, I, I just picked up one piece of data which I've written down right uh Lance Stroll's tire failed after 30 laps, the hard tire, Verstappen's after 32 laps, right? In the pre-race data that Pirelli released, right, they said that the hard tire would go from anywhere between 36 to 40 laps. Okay, so the tires were clearly not at the end of their life, at least if you were to, you know, believe Pirelli's data is, of course, you know, as accurate as they say it is. But just unfortunate that uh, such a massive crash happened and then you know turned the whole race upside down, which we of course loved.
0: But that's just not how you know we want it to go, right? Yeah, especially when the crash is at over one hundred and ninety miles per hour. That is nasty. That that's the kind of territory when you go, oh, that's not nice. But. Uh, a word on the barrier at the pit entry as well. Many people called it out. Many people said that it had to change, much like Nico Rosberg did back in 2016. Uh, I mean, had Verstappen's car careered onto the other direction or had, Stroll had that failure slightly later on, who knows how things could have gone. So be grateful for that. Be grateful that Formula One safety is quite good. But then again, how else do they construct the barrier, right? Do they do something like an Interlagos where they... Let them go into the pit lane, and then they have that small turn in. Who knows whichever way it goes? But as it is, we're kind of lucky that we did not end it up did not end up going right there. But scary, scary moments, Kunal. Let's just put it that way. Scary moments, and you
1: know, uh, to cap off the whole entire conversation, we were all hoping that, or we were all waiting uh, to see just how high will the will the teams be screaming about flexi wings in Baku, <laughs> and then boom comes Sunday. Pirelli just takes the thunder away from the flexi wings completely, right? And I think, like I said, you know, hard questions need to be asked because mm. these there, there are two key changes that have been made to make the Pirelli tires more safer. Firstly, Pirelli have, has changed the construction of these 2021 tires as well. Mm. And then there was this downforce, you know, the, the, the triangle that's been cut off from the tray of the Formula One cars, yeah. right? So, there are changes that have been made to make the tires last as long as they should. And the, I think the scarier part for all of us, uh, including the drivers, was that, like you said, Samuel, the tires gave away without a hint, without an indication. Exactly. And they just went boom. And maybe there was
0: a sniper, who knows, but it <laughs> was just extremely unsafe. Yeah. By the way, uh, I have to point this out. It's something I kept for the end of the episode, but now that we're at it, we must speak about it unfiltered radio access from teams to Michael Massey. We need more of that sort of stuff, man. Because Red Bull, uh, they they had a team radio message that was quoted out on the broadcast. And Christian Honor, I think that was by his voice. He ended up saying to Michael Massey, Michael, uh, that was at the point where Verstappen had his crash. He said, Michael, red flag it. It does not make any sense to go for a safety car. It happened completely without warning. Let's not put everyone at risk. Let's actually bring everyone in and allow the chance for everyone to have the chance to change their ties, is basically what I mean to say. Amazing piece of access from, from uh, Formula 1. Second piece of access. It was one of McLaren's... Uh, McLaren's... Not McLaren's. McLaren's engineers, Paul James, speaking to Michael Massey. And Paul James basically had to say that Yuki Sonora was eventually not respecting double-wave yellows when Max Verstappen had that incident. And then Michael Massey like a very, very calm father speaking to all of his children and be like, well, why should I punish just one of them? Well, all of you are doing a bad job at it. <laughs> Come on, do something. So at the GPDA meeting, at the driver's briefing, next time or, I think at France, at Paul Ricard that is, expect 20 unhappy people speaking to one Michael Massey. Because, I mean, double wave DLOs are no joke. You have to do what you have to do. But racing drivers, they always look for an edge somewhere. Not safe, that is, but it is what it is. But, I think it's a good time to move on to something even more interesting, right? We've got some fun stuff with Charles Leclerc going on and why he wasn't able to convert pole position. Why was he not? (laughs) And it's the most bizarre story you'll ever hear of. (laughs) You know,
1: uh, I actually had predicted after Friday data, right, that Charles will go backwards despite scoring pole. Because the Ferrari was eating up its tires at a really fast rate. And which is why he was the first of the front runners, okay? Uh, he was the first of the front runners to actually make that pit stop, okay? But I must say, his excuse, or his, I wouldn't say excuse, his reason for losing out on the lead of the race was that there was a branch of a tree that had fallen at turn 15, which caused him to cut through the corner. And that lost him some momentum and ground to Lewis Hamilton. And then he was overtaken by Hamilton. And then after that, he said he just was not able to keep clear of Hamilton's dirty air and had to lose position to Verstappen and Perez. But eventually, him finishing fourth is fantastic. Ferrari have actually jumped McLaren for P3 in the Constructors' Championship, which which I think is incredible, you know, recovery for Hmm. Ferrari Sommel.
0: It is, but... It seems to be more like a like a reason to delay the. I mean, to it's like a catalyst for bringing forth the inevitable. He was going to be passed by Hamilton. He was going to be passed by Verstappen, right? Barco is such a long track that the straight is just silly long. It's just, it's like they took it out of a comic book movie. It's like, ah, uh, it's okay. I mean, well, what could possibly happen if we make it like the longest we can ever imagine it to be? Uh, and he eventually he would have been passed, but. That's right, that branch did fall off. When I actually heard this news, I was wondering, was it similar to Jurgen Klopp blaming the win for Liverpool not winning one day? But it's actually more serious than that, because that branch also caused Max Verstappen to take evasive action, which is why he could not attack Lewis Hamilton. He cut through Turn 12. There was a slight bit of uh, information shown on the broadcast about that. But yeah, it is true, but I don't think it, it, it hampers his chance in any way, right? It's just kind of bringing forward what was eventually going to happen. But still... One yeah. may wonder it's good but is it good enough Canal? because there's a real argument for saying that well Leclerc was on pole that shouldn't have been Vettel that should have been Leclerc in that place and Vettel eventually passed Charles Leclerc clean like a form of F you uh, you were the one who was apparently the future right here goes <laughs> back to the past I think that was a brilliant overtake and you know Charles
1: almost you know went into his rear and, and that, right. that that whole crap Leclerc Gasly and Fettel, Brilliant scrap, you know, at the, at the for the two-lap sprint qualifying race that we had. And even the Leclerc versus Gasly uh, battle, it, it almost felt like the two drivers who, of course, raced several years together in Junior Formulae, it seemed like they were in go-karts, right? Fighting every corner, exchanging positions every corner, keeping it clean, giving each other space, right? And, I, it it looked like a go kart circuit anyway because it was going through the old town section of the Baku yeah, Baku city circuit and that that to me was pretty pretty phenomenal so it it was it's just just what we want Formula One to be and just why I started by saying you know great advertisement for uh, for Formula One. Great advertisement for, uh, you know, sprint qualifying races. And this is all the Baku magic, all pun intended, you know, that that we all, you know, that we all loved.
0: Exactly. And that magic was evident in the midfield as well. Some really big star performers. Daniel Ricciardo gaining a little bit of momentum. He was sort of okay. But Yuki Sonora coming home in P7. number Fernando Alonso finishing in P6 after that inspired call to take soft tyres after the first red flag. That was some good stuff by Fernando. They were not having a good weekend at all, Alpine, were they? Uh, Esteban Ocon ended up retiring. George Russell had to retire at the end. Uh, they got a penalty as well, Nicholas Latifi, for staying out there on the track. When, when, let's say, he just had to go in the pit lane. But a bit of miscommunication between himself and his engineer. That sort of stuff happened. But... Before we wrap up, Kunal, one final point that we have to discuss. Uh, Valtry Bottas, was the pace still delayed five hours away in Finland? What was it all about? <laughs> Why has Bottas just not been able to get the ground running? Because, seriously, if I was Toto Wolf at this stage, it's never hampered me till now, but this is costing me Constructors Championship points. I'm second to Red Bull Racing. I need somebody who can consistently deliver at all weekends. I'm not saying that Bottas... Usually doesn't, but today and in the last couple of weekends, you've seen why there is this sort of disparity in pay between Bottas and Hamilton, which is why Hamilton is the number one driver and Bottas isn't, quite simply. You know, it is, Bottas, you're
1: right. You know, it's, it's even the performance disparity was here to see for all of us, right, in, in Baku. And uh, I'll just put it this way that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, battery Bottas was not only invisible, during the race right I don't remember seeing a single frame of him after the opening few laps but he actually went backwards so much so that I think he was overtaken by four cars in six corners and you know I tweeted about this you know it's like there is a Formula One car line uh, and then there is the Valtteri Bottas uh, line you know around the Baku City circuit it's just that the two lines were not similar for you know for all good measure and but I must say before we, you know, push all the criticism uh, to Botas, and I, I have two two points to you know contribute towards this. First is he was extremely unlucky in qualifying. He was actually on for a very good lap before the red flag came out. Right. So had he qualified, had he finished his lap, maybe he would have been in the top five or thereabouts, and then it could have been a different race. Right. And then uh, we are, like I said during the Mercedes segment, the two of two drivers of Mercedes went down two different setup routes and. In time, I'm sure Mercedes will reveal more on that as well. But taking your point forward about Mercedes needing Constructors' Championship points, Somil, right? Uh, this is that one season when they will really need both drivers to score points because, hey, Red Bull's actually doing that as well. They are scoring with both drivers, right? But more than anything else, what Bottas' performances will do is it will give Toto Wolf a headache before the summer because uh there is a driver situation that is developing right in mercedes lewis hamilton one year contract george russell waiting in for a promotion valtteri bottas not putting in you know good performances to be worthy enough to ask for an extension right the 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 news of course has always been that hamilton doesn't want russell as a partner and that's why Botas' extension keeps on happening, right? But if Botas performs this way, Mercedes and Dr. Wolf definitely are gonna have a headache to make sure that both Russell and Hamilton end up racing together at Mercedes from 2022. Again, just pure speculation, but that's what it is. And uh, you know, it's, I, I'll quote the Matrix. There's always a balance in the equation, right? So just as many cars that overtook Botas in you know, in the span of those six corners, those probably were the number of cars that Fernando Alonso overtook. I think he overtook six cars yeah. or something after the restart. And just shows, you know, once, once Alonso gets into his groove as well... He's still going to be as feisty as he's ever been, Sonal. I mean,
0: 2022. If Alpine end up being the team that we've always wanted them to be, who knows where things are going to be. But on a closing note, just check out Toto Wolf if he's on Spotify. He might be playing Do You Want a Partner from the movie <laughs> Partner back in the day. It's, just a, it's a crazy, catchy song that gets you on the head. But it's a crazy situation developing there. It's finally costing them points. Finally, the number two driver situation is... At the edge for a series. So, who knows which way the championship will go? Who knows which way things will go? And yes, as a reminder, nobody got the Prediction League top three correct this weekend as well. Bravo. I don't blame you. I think nobody's going to be angry about that one. I,
1: I, I have to actually say this. And this is for all of our listeners who, you know, sent in all the lovely messages after we had Mithila on the show last week, Samil. Uh-huh. Mithila actually predicted a Checo Perez victory and I can't tell you she must have screamed out just so loud when she actually saw him take that win so if there was one
0: person who got it right it was Mithila so so how how do you get rewarded for the bet because there has to be something it's a big one I mean so I'm sure she's brought some cake for herself definitely (laughs) <laughs> Much deserved, and there will be cake, wine, champagne, uh, w- whatever. Oh, tequila that's what the Mexicans like to use when they celebrate. There's gonna be that sort of stuff. Amazing weekend, joy all around, and, and some German and English beer coalitions going on at the Aston Martin team house as well. <laughs> that is some fun stuff, but guys, amazing weekend, wasn't it? I'm so glad that you chose to spend your 30 minutes with us listening to this episode and watching this episode if you're on YouTube. And so, don't forget to use the code TRIMINSIDE if you're watching this from outside India to get a 20% discount on all of Manscaped's products plus free shipping. You must have heard the ad on the podcast version early on. We're reminding you of that again. And folks, thank you for watching. See you next time out for Paul Ricard. And I hope that... No, I mean, I was about to say... I just got confused on my own line, wasn't it? I was about to say that the force is always equal for every Paul Ricard. There's bound to be a Baku, but then I reminded myself be optimistic, Samuel. Think of the positive. So let's <laughs> hope that Paul Ricard is going to be something better. See you right there for the preview here on Pitch the Podium and inside my Follow. Goodbye. Thank you guys and thanks, Samuel. Bye bye.